Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 21, how Abraham had been wronged, but it was up to Abraham as to who was going to stand up or sit down for that wrong. Would it be Abraham standing up for himself or God standing up for Abraham? We'll find out today on the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor as our Bible teacher. Now, Tom Cantor is not only a Bible teacher and pastor, he is also a scientist and CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory for the past 35 years. Now, Tom is also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, in Southern California, near San Diego, California. And that museum is the first and original creation museum. Now, as a resource of the month, since Tom Cantor is a scientist and the operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum, he's offering a DVD tour of the Creation and Earth History Museum that features Tom Cantor and leading scientists and Bible teachers that covers the six days of creation as well as days number seven. And will also include with this month's resource a great book on the Ice Age and the Flood, which asks the question, does science really show millions of years? It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age. Now, these two great resources will help you take a journey through time. Now, if you'd like a copy of the Six Days of Creation teaching and the Ice Age and the Flood book, it's yours for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support the Friendship with God radio program staying on this station and airing in your city. So call us right now with your donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send you these two resources, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. We'll send you the Six Days of Creation and the Ice Age book for supporting the Friendship with God with a donation of $20 or more. You can also go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more resources. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from the life of Abraham if he was going to stand up for himself or let God stand up for him. And so Abimelech wanted something very tangible for his oath. There was something that was something very important as part of the agreement or the covenant for Abimelech to have. He wanted this. He wanted it to be an oath of the high, made on the highest authority. And so he could get Abraham to swear unto me. See what he says there? Swear unto me here by God. You know, swear unto me here by God. And he couldn't think of Abimelech. Couldn't think of anyone higher than God. That's good. And, and for Abraham to swear, so he has to swear by God. And Abraham was very understanding of what Abimelech was asking for because Abraham had been exactly in the same place that Abimelech was in. Abraham had a covenant with God. Abraham had a covenant. And just as Abimelech was anxious to have this peace covenant with Abraham and to have Abraham take this oath by the highest authority, Abraham was in that place too. And so Abraham was watching Abimelech, and he was wanting this, as, as Abimelech was wanting this confirmation of the oath and some evidence of it, and he's watching him, and he's seeing that Abimelech is anxious to have this peace treaty, anxious to have the oath, anxious to have the swearing by God. And so what it says in verse 24, you see, and so Abraham understood this, and so he says very, very, very simply, it's in verse 23, we remember when he said, Now therefore swear unto me here by God, and he gives them the, the, what he wants them to, to promise, to you know, make nice with him. And, and so Abraham understands this, and so he knows how important it is. And so he says in verse 24, Abraham said, I will swear. I will swear, he says. So in the same way that Abimelech wanted confirmation of this treaty, this peace treaty, with the assurance of an oath, 
Abraham also, from the past, he wanted a confirmation from God, and, and so he understood that, so he agrees, I will swear. And, and God gave that assurance to Abraham by swearing to him. And, and it's spoken about in Hebrews 6, 13 through 14, where it says that, for when God made promise to Abraham, so here we want Abimelech making, and Abraham should make promise to Abimelech, but, in, but the other one happened it, where God made promise to Abraham because he, God, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. And it says, saying, surely, uh, blessing, I'll bless thee, multiplying, I'll multiply thee. So Abimelech looked for, this, for Abraham to swear by the highest authority for his confirmation, and he couldn't find anybody higher than God. So, okay. In the same way, God says, I'll swear to you, Abraham, but there's nobody higher than me. I checked, and I didn't find anybody. So, you know. <laughs> so he says, I swear by myself. Now, now we see that, that Abraham has had something against Abimelech. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know anything about this until, until we read this in verse 25. It's kind of surprising. I mean, you know, Abimelech's coming here wanting a peace treaty, and all of a sudden Abraham brings this thing up about something that he's had against him evidently for some time. And it says in verse 25, Abraham reproved or rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servant had not just taken away. You see what it says. What's the word? What? Seized. Oh, is that what your word says? <laughs> what does the good old King James word say? Violently. 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 But a is not bad. Anyway, violently. Okay, seized, violently. Okay, whatever. So anyway, so, so seized. Uh, no, I mean violently, right. So he violently takes it away. A well of water, as you know, is very valuable in the desert. That's how you can say it's the most valuable thing. <laughs> anyway. And so Abraham's servant had dr- dug this well. It was Abraham's. It belonged to Abraham. Turns out Abimelech's servants had not just taken away, but they took it away seizingly <laughs> or violently. All right. So, and, and Abimelech's servants, they claimed that they dug the well, evidently, and that therefore it was Abimelech's. And Abraham's servants claimed that they dug the well, and therefore it was Abraham's well. Let's see. And, you know, in all this, the well was silent, so the well couldn't tell us who dug it. Anyway, so we see how, how, how Abraham handled this matter. That's what we want to focus on. How did Abraham handle this water, this problem, this water problem here? And he addresses, and first of all, we see that Abraham addresses with, with Abimelech alone, doing exactly what it says to do in Matthew 18, 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, that's gain thy brother. It's exactly what he did. It says in Proverbs 25, 9, along the same line, it says, Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret unto another. And that word debate... It means wrangle or toss or defend or strive or plead. I mean, when you want to get into it, just do it alone. Now, the well that was stolen by Abimelech was something that was troubling Abraham, but Abraham waited for the opportunity that God would present to address it directly with Abimelech, which he did. Now was the time. And so Abraham was wronged. It was wrong. Abraham felt, I've been wronged when this well was stolen from me. But Abraham was willing to let it be stolen, as the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, 39-41, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, he said. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy coat also, cloak also. 
And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. So when Abraham received this word that his well had been stolen, Abraham knew it's not right. It's not right at all. And Abraham also remembered, you know, he says, you know, I, I, I could put together that same army that I put together in the past where we went out and defeated the five kings and rescued Lot and brought him back. And he was very tempted. You can imagine because, you know, Abraham's a little hot under the collar right now. We can see it. And so it's very tempted. Abraham could say, you can't get away with that. I'll show you. I'm going to go put a, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go put, say to my men, go get your swords. We'll get that well back. But that, and so it wasn't easy for Abraham because Abraham knew that God was the one who gave him the well in the first place and God was going to take care of him. So when Abraham's well was stolen, Abraham was really at this decision point. That's what we want to focus on, this decision point. Because God's watching Abraham and God sees everything. He doesn't have an eye problem. And so his well is stolen and Abraham's well is stolen and God puts a question now to Abraham. All right. Here's God's question, Abraham. Here's a question. Abraham, here's your question. Is it going to be stand up or stand down? When Abraham's well was stolen, Abraham was like us. And he, he thought of Abimelech. But really, Abimelech's really kind of not in the spotlight here. The spotlight is really when this wrong happened to Abraham on God and Abraham. And the question between God and Abraham is, which one is going to stand up and which one is going to stand down? So when Abraham's well was stolen, the question was put before Abraham. He says, okay, Abraham, who is it going to be, Abraham? Is it one of us is going to stand down and yield to the other one. Are you going to stand down or are you going to stand up? Because both of us are not going to stand up at the same time. It's either going to be you or me. So Abraham, you go ahead and decide. You decide which one is going to stand down. And if Abraham said to his men, go put on your swords, we'll take back that well. That would have been Abraham making the decision to stand up, and God would say, okay, fine, then I'll stand down. But Abraham, he took the Matthew 39, 41, the, the Matthew 5, 39 through 41 road, and he said, God is my provider, I'll stand down. God saw that, and God said, okay, I see that Abraham has decided to stand down, I'll stand up, and in time, I'll bring Abimelech crawling, which is what we're reading about here. And did Abimelech come crawling right away after the well was taken? Not exactly. And, and, and that's where we don't want to miss those words in verse 22, where it says, and it came to pass. You know, hayah is existence of time. It's existence of time. And God's stand up or stand down question that was in front of Abraham was, who's it going to be, Abraham? One of us is going to stand down, yield to the other. And so are you going to do it? And, so, and the instructive part of this chapter is that we see Abraham said when his well was stolen, I'm going to stand down. I'm going to stand down and see what, and, 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 and what we see happening here with Abimelech is God saying, okay, I saw Abraham stand down. I'll stand up now. And in my time, then I'll make it right and I'll restore this well to Abraham. Now, God's put this history in this chapter for a purpose for us of the well that was stolen for our benefit. Because that was a time when Abraham was wronged, and we'd been there. And there was no question about it. Abraham's well was stolen. Abraham was right. Abimelech was wrong. And we have times in our lives when we've been wronged, and there's no question about it. We've been wronged, and we're right. And the other party is wrong that did the wrong. But as he did with Abraham, God puts the same question before us in these situations, and he says to us, who's it going to be? 
One of us is going to stand down and yield to the other. And one of us is going to stand up. Are you going to stand down or are you going to stand up? Because both of us are not going to stand up at the same time. So either it's you or me, God says. You decide which one of us is going to stand down. When we're wrong, if we decide to stand up, oh, it goes bad. It doesn't go good. You know, some years ago, I remember at Scanabodies, we had a Christian working for us in our construction department. And while working on a project at his home, Thank God it wasn't at our company. But anyway, at his home, he needed a screwdriver to do a particular job. He was a very, very skilled craftsman. So he went to Sears in El Cajon Parkway Plaza, and he bought the craftsman screwdriver. Why? Well, because at home, he always bought the Sears craftsman tools because they have this guarantee that if the craftsman tools breaks, then Sears will replace it. So he went home with, the, with this craftsman screwdriver, and he used it, and it broke. <laughs> and, broke. and boy, he was angry. He was very angry and, and, and because he could have bought a cheap screwdriver and it could have broke. But anyways, he bought the Craftsman one because they're not supposed to break. It's supposed to be higher quality. So when that Craftsman screwdriver broke, he felt personally wrong and cheated by Mr. Sears himself. <laughs> so he took his family, uh, his family of his wife, a little girl, a little boy, and he, and he took them and he, went, and he brought the whole entourage there marching back to Sears in El Cajon there, and he was going to show his family how you not let yourself be cheated. So he, got, he gets to the pool, tool department down in the basement there, and he demands that the promise is lived up to and that his, his broken craftsman screwdriver, that they replace it. The unconditional guarantee and replace the screwdriver. So the Sears person looks at the screwdriver and determines that he had used it wrongly, and he refuses to replace it. Now he's really mad. So he... He argues with the Sears person, but the Sears person holds his ground and wouldn't replace the screwdriver. And he's so angry, he felt like Abraham. He was cheated. He was wronged. So now at that point, he, had, he was faced with God's question. All right, I know you've been wronged by Sears, but my question to you is, who's it going to be? One of us is going to stand down and yield to the other, and one is going to stand up. Are you going to do the standing down, or are you going to do the standing up? Because both of us are not going to stand up at the same time. So you decide. Okay. So, well, he decided he was going to stand up. So he had his rights. And so he, he said, I'll, I'll show these guys. You know, he was angry. So he went over to where those screwdrivers were, and he looked at them and thought, I have a right to a replacement screwdriver, and if they won't give it to me, I'll take it, which is what he did. So he took one of them, put it in his pocket, family all watching him doing this, and then he made like he was shopping, and then he was looking at other things, and he headed for the door without paying for the screwdriver. Well, at that point, he made his decision to stand up, and God said, fine, then I'll stand down. But God loved him too much to let him get away with it. So when he put the screwdriver in his pocket, of course, the staff was looking at him, (laughs) and they saw him do this, and they called the police. So the El Cajon police are waiting for him. When he opens up the door, and as soon as he gets in the parking lot, they handcuff him in front of his family, drive him off to the El Cajon police station, and he's booked for shoplifting. All right. So, like Abraham, he felt that he had been wronged. And he had been wronged. So now none of you are going to buy Sears craftsman tools anyway. <laughs> but and, and, and he was wrong. He was wronged. He was wronged by someone else. And the question before us is always, is, is like when Abraham, when he was wrong, the question before us is, all, who is it going to be? Who is going to do the standing up? And who's going to do the standing down? Both are not going to do it at the same time. Decide. 
Now, the sad part about this history is, of this Christian is that when he told to me what happened, he still felt he was right, you know, and Sears was wrong. And, and the only problem is that he got caught. Anyway, so this history of how Abraham let himself be wronged and wait for God to stand up and make it right, it's a lesson for us. And, and oh, that we would learn this lesson. It's not so easy. No, not easy at all. It's, it's not easy to stand down where we're wrong. Now, how do you do that? How do you stand down when you're wrong? How do you do that? Well, we do it by focusing on one word that I read to you in uh, Matthew 5.39, where the Lord Jesus Christ said, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek. So turn to him the other also. The word is cheek. The word is cheek. That's how we get this strength. We say, you say, cheek? Why the word cheek? Why is that important to motivate me to stand down when I'm wronged? Because when the Lord Jesus Christ said the word cheek in Matthew 5.39, when he said, whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, he was thinking of a verse that referred to his cheek in Isaiah. It spoke about his cheeks. And you might want to turn to this. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I don't ask you to turn to many scriptures in the Bible. So, you know, you shouldn't be so angry. (laughs) Isaiah 50, verse 6. All right. He says here, I gave, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who's mine adversary? Let him come near. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? They all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. See the statements, the statements here of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's being beaten before his crucifixion. He's on the way to the cross. And as he's being beaten there before the crucifixion, he says, I gave my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. He says, I gave my cheeks That was him saying, I decided to stand down at that moment. I know that I'm being wronged. I know that, but I'm standing down. And and, and how does he do it? He repeats something twice. You see it in verses 7 and 9. He says, the Lord will help me. He will help me. And what was the Lord Jesus meaning when he said the Lord will help me? He was saying, I've decided to stand down now, and I know that the Lord's going to stand up for me. And that's what he meant when he said, he is near that justifieth me. Is it easy for us to stand down when we're wrong? No. Is it easy just to sit there and take it? No. Was it easy for the Lord Jesus Christ to stand down when his back was being beaten beaten, and the hairs were being pulled out of his cheeks? Was that easy for him? Not at all. That's why it it says there in verse 7, therefore have I set my face like a flint. In other words, you can see when he says, I made my face like a rock. In order to do this, it was hard for him. Now, please turn back, okay? Genesis 21, verse 25. So the important point we see here, you never turned to Isaiah in the first place. I know that, but that's all right. <laughs> I hope you turn to Genesis 21. All right, so now, important for us to see in verse 25, when it says, and Abraham reproved Abimelech, is that Abraham, Abraham had, that this was the time now. God had, he had stood down. In the beginning, God stood up, and Abimelech came. Now, who is he dealing with here? 
we see the response of Abimelech in verse 26. Abimelech says, I what not, who hath done this, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. All right. So now, what, Abimelech, what, what Abraham had hoped for was better than this. Maybe he hoped for a little bit of a genuine acknowledgement. You know, it was wrong by stealing the well. Uh, maybe some signs of some real repentance. Maybe the words, I'm sorry. Maybe I apologize. You know, or, you know, or maybe, I don't know if you can go as far as saying, I ask for forgiveness. I mean, you know, but, but what did Abraham get? Abraham got pushback. This is three pushbacks of Abimelech. First pushback. I want not who had done this. Abimelech says, I have no idea who did this thing, so I'm not at fault. And the second pushback, neither does thou tell me. So Abimelech is saying to Abraham, you're the one that's at fault. It's all your fault, because you never told me this. I'm not at fault, it's your fault. And the third pushback, neither yet heard I of it, but today. I know nothing. <laughs> Abimelech was saying to Abraham, until today, I haven't had any knowledge about this. I'm, so I'm not at fault. Now, that was Abimelech's response to Abraham. I didn't know anything about it until today. I didn't know who did this. I, and, and it's all your fault because you didn't tell me. So Abraham listens to all this, sits back, and he knows that it's very highly unlikely that Abimelech didn't know anything about this well. So Abimelech, you know, so Abraham's sitting there. He's looking at Abimelech, denying everything. And Abraham's thinking to himself, you liar. But he doesn't say it. He says, you are a liar. You are lying. I don't for a second believe you that you knew nothing about my well being stolen. All right, so now, Abraham thinking that he's dealing with a liar. We see Abraham going along, and he gives the sheep and oxen to Abimelech, as it says in verse 27. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. That was very common. At time, made a covenant. You made an exchange for covenant. And Abraham does something very strange and unexpected in verse 28. It says, Abraham said, seven... Count them, seven. You lambs of the flock by themselves. So in addition to the sheep and the oxen, which Abraham gave to Abimelech, Abraham now gets these seven female lambs and little lambs, and he sets them by themselves. And Abimelech's watching Abraham. He's getting these seven female lambs, and Abimelech is puzzled. What is he doing? And, and, and so what is Abraham doing? So he asks Abraham, what are you doing with these seven female lambs? And that's what verse 29 says. Abimelech said unto Abraham, what mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And so Abraham gives him an answer. Verse 30, he said, for these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. So Abraham is not happy with Abimelech's, I know nothing. He doesn't like that. So he responds about the well, and he's still thinking about this. Abraham's still thinking about his stolen well. And so he takes these seven lambs, and he insists, you want a peace treaty? Then we're going to do this, and we're going to have this mutual swearing, not just me. And so Abraham says to Abimelech, you want this? Okay, then I want you to acknowledge with an oath that I dug this well. And these seven lambs taken by Abimelech are going to be something to memorialize for Abraham that Abraham is the digger of the well. He's the well digger here. He's the one who dug this well. And, it, and it's so important to Abraham that the place gets the name for after this well and these seven lambs. And that's verse 31. Wherefore, he called that place Beersheba because they swear both of them. Now, the Hebrew word for well is Ba'ar. And, and the Hebrew word for seven is Sheva. 
It's not Sheba. It's not the Queen of Sheba here. It's not the Ethiopian Queen of Sheba. This is Sheba. And so literally, the place is called the Well of Seven. The Well of Seven, referring to the well and referring to these seven lambs that Abimelech took from Abraham. So at the end here, at verse 31, we read what happened in that place. Wherefore, he called the name of that place Sheba, because there they swear both of them. They swear both of them. Now, it says they swear both of them. We saw in verse 23 that Abimelech was only asking for one swearing. That was Abraham was to swear that he was going to uh, have peace with him and his son and his son says. But in verse 31, it says they swear both of them. So what did Abimelech swear about? Because it was only supposed to be Abraham. Well, it was that he acknowledged that Abraham dug the well, after all. And Abimelech, he got what he wanted from the meeting. And Abraham swore to have this peace with his son and with his son's sons. And Abraham got what he wanted, which was Abimelech swearing that the well belonged to Abraham because Abraham dug the well. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. If you'd enjoyed this message, you can download it or listen to it for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download it for free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. You can also get our resource of the month, Tom Cantor's Genesis Six Days of Creation Teaching from the Creation and Earth History Museum, and the Ice Age and the Flood book. These two resources will help you take a journey through time, and they're yours for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support the Friendship with God radio program staying on this station in your city. Call us today at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or for more information about Friendship with God or Tom Cantor or free resources, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.